Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 331 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero. Hope you guys had a great weekend, enjoyed all the boxing on this side of the pond and across the pond. And uh, for those of you here in the United States, hope you enjoyed some great football games. Uh, football is back here in the States, and um, the weather's starting to cool off. October's right around the corner. It's good stuff, man. Uh, so episode 331, um, not a whole lot to preview this week. There's not a whole lot going on this weekend. The schedule's kind of dead, but we got some stuff to review. Plenty to talk about. As I uh, remind you guys, as always, please make sure you subscribe. You click the notification bell. All that good stuff. Uh, if you can't watch the live video, it's all good. The audio pod goes out on uh, podcast platforms around the world. Just look for Montero Unboxing, The Neutral Corner, you will find me. As always, um, I remind you guys that we spread this show by word of mouth. So the fee for this show, non-monetary. If you want to help out monetarily, you can do that. You can go to my website, MonteroUnboxing.com. There you'll find different ways to contribute, or you can right here on the show uh, watching live. But the fee that I always charge is to make sure you just tell somebody about the show, man. Just share it out there. Let people know what's up. Uh, as for me, this weekend, I hung out with my wife and some family, uh, we went down to the coast, to the ocean, and got away for a few days in Hilton Head, South Carolina, a uh, very quiet little island off the coast of the Carolinas. Very, very nice, very quiet, very chill, and um, we just had some family time. It was um, the last weekend, last well, last few days that my wife can travel, and uh, we didn't fly, of course. We just drove a few hours. It wasn't bad, and... Um, we get our 36-week ultrasound in uh, this Friday, this Friday. So anyway, that's all the news I'll, I'll talk about uh, in, in my life. Um, anyway, let's get right into the boxing, man. Let's talk about this stuff. Uh, so news and notes. I got to have a little bit of fun with this. Guys, do you know what today is? Today is day 310 since Terrence Bud Crawford has been a free agent a promotional free agent. It is day 310 since his last fight, which was uh, against um, Sean Porter on November 20th, last year, 2021, his last fight with top rank. So 310 days later, here we are in the fight between Terrence Bud Crawford and Errol The Truth Spence Jr. is still not officially announced unless I completely missed something. You know, let me know if I'm wrong. But the last we heard was a couple weeks ago during the fight week of the biggest fight of the year. Some media personalities got their clicks by mentioning, hey, there might be an announcement about this fight soon. Everyone's agreed to terms. So this is an announcement of a possible announcement. And that's about the fifth time that's happened over this summer. Now, officially, we just had, what, the first day of fall. So now we're officially in the fall. And we're going on almost a full year now. Today is 310 days since Terrence Crawford has been a free agent. And we still do not have an official announcement for Crawford and Spence. Um, so, yeah, there's that. That's really the only news to, to bring up. Um, there's rumors about this. There's rumors about that. And I can get into all these rumors. I'm not going to do that here. I'm just going to keep it to, uh, you know, hey, the countdown. Are we going to get an announcement? Because the last that we heard, again, rumors of an announcement possibly coming, that was a couple weeks ago, uh, is that the fight would take place November 19th. It is now less than two months out 
if you're going to have this big pay-per-view extravaganza, less than two months, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's enough time to promote such a thing when you're following a bunch of pay-per-views that you've had this year. You're going to be in the heart of uh, NFL football season. You're going to be going, um, I, I think by then, the Major League Baseball would be done, yes, and uh, but you'd be going up against the other winter sports. So there's that. Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man, Aaron. He says, watch the fight with sound off and scored it around seven, five. So I assume you're talking about Stevenson versus Conte Cow. He said Shakur Stevenson was smiling the entire time because he knew he could get away with anything and secure the decision. Well, damn. So you scored uh Stevenson Conte Cow pretty close. A lot closer than the judges had. All right, Aaron, you're on the record. You're on the record with that. And, of course, I'll talk about that fight in just a minute here and uh, my thoughts on all that. But I appreciate the super chat. My man, appreciate you supporting the show like always, brother. And, yeah, man, back. So uh, Crawford and Spence, look. <sighs> yeah, Toreen in the chat says, uh, blame Bob for this fight not being done. Dude, that's what we heard for years, right? For years we heard that uh, it was just Bob Arum. That's what it was. We even heard for a little while, well, Bud's got the WBO title. We don't mess with the WBO, even though now several PBC fighters have fought for WBO titles and, and, and some even hold WBO titles. So we heard all sorts of excuses. And look, I keep telling people, because everyone keeps saying, oh, this fight's never going to happen. I really do think it will. I really do think it will. It's still very, very possible it really does happen this year. I do think there's still a possibility it can get pushed to next year, but it will happen. I just think it's funny because for years, it wasn't for weeks. It wasn't for months. It was literally for years. We were told that it was because of top rank and Bob Aram. They were blocking the fight. Um, you know, they weren't being realistic about, uh, you know, uh, Bud's value and all that kind of stuff. And, and now um, all those all those hurdles are gone, right? The WBO, that's not a factor anymore. Although I guess now they want the WBO title because Spence wants to fight for it. They want to unify. All the things that we heard were getting in the way have been gone now for 310 days. So the fight still ain't made. Perhaps the problem all along was Terrence Crawford. Perhaps the problem all along was PBC, Errol Spence and his people. Perhaps the problem all along was a combination of those entities. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, I definitely think it's going to happen uh, at some point. Um, I do think it's a little bit past its due date. And if it does happen November 19th this year, how do you help? How do you promote a show like that with, you know, what, six weeks, seven weeks? I, I don't know. We'll discuss whenever it happens, right? So let's get into this uh, fight review. And last week we had fights on. Uh, Friday and Saturday. Let's talk about the Friday, September 23rd show. Top Rank uh, had a show at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. This was, of course, broadcast live on ESPN and the ESPN Plus app. For those of us who have the app, and then the undercard, the only really thing of note on the undercard was that lightweight prospect Keyshawn Davis improved to 6-0 and with five knockouts. A really good-looking prospect. Some point after the fight, uh, ESPN ringside or one of their uh, Twitter handles. I can't, I can't remember which one tweeted something out like from top rank saying he's not a prospect. He's a contender already. Pump the brakes. Remember that that's my nickname. A lot of the time I'm the guy always saying pump the brakes. Look, Keyshawn Davis, 
blue chip prospect. I've talked about him a lot in this show. I was there for his um, his professional debut. Was right there, saw it live. Really, really impressed. I've followed this kid closely ever since. He is going to win world titles. Absolutely certain about that, right? He definitely appears to be a blue chip prospect. But guys, he's only six fights in. Pump the brakes just a little bit, all right? I'm excited too. I am excited. But he's not ready to be a contender quite yet. Let's let's build the kid up just a little bit, just a little bit. All right, main event, Shakur Stevenson improves to 19-0 with unanimous decision win over Robson Konsekau, uh, the three-time Olympian who scored 2016 uh, gold at the 2016 Olympics, I should say, in uh, Rio, in his native uh, Brazil. Uh, so this was on the cards. I want to say it was like 10 rounds to two. The judges had it like 10 rounds to two, nine rounds to three, 10 rounds to two. Uh, some people out there like Aaron uh, mentioned – felt that it was close, but I did, I did see in fairness, I saw plenty of people on social media that thought this was a very, very wide fight and a win for Shakur Stevenson. Here's the thing though, as great of a performance as this may have been, uh, some people dissed the performance. didn't like it. Some people did like the performance. Again, it was kind of split from what I saw on social media. Um, the thing is Stevenson's titles weren't on the line because he missed weight and he missed weight by over a pound and a half. So when you see a fighter this young miss weight that much and really make no attempt to make the weight afterwards, it suggests that they kind of knew they weren't going to make weight. And there's a little gamesmanship here. And again, this is me speculating, okay? I, I'm not saying I talked to anybody inside the camp or anything like that. I was on vacation with my family. But um, when I see this, it, it, it seems like they kind of knew they weren't going to make weight. They knew they were struggling. They didn't tell the opponent. Because Kansekau had a decision here. He made weight. So the titles were on the line for him. But technically at that point, you know, you can walk away from the fight. And um, he'd still get paid. I don't know if he'd get 100%. It depended on the contract. But he would get paid something. And Stevenson even, um, I know Stevenson would have to pay a fine and all of that. But uh, by the way, Stevenson came in with unified belts, right? The WBO and WBC 130-pound belts, junior lightweight belts. I should mention all that, those details. So he loses those belts on the scale. But here's the thing. If you know you're not going to make weight two, three, four days beforehand, or even if it's just a day or two beforehand, you could tell your opponent there's two options here. And I've seen both these things play out. You guys have been around for a while, watch boxing for a while. You've seen these two scenarios play out too. You could tell your opponent, listen, we're not going to make weight. We think we're going to come in around 132. Do you just want to say screw the screw the belts and uh, we'll dump them and we'll say that this will do a catch weight of 132. That way you guys don't have to kill yourself. We won't kill ourselves the last day or two. And let's get down to 132 instead of 130. Are you good with that? You can negotiate that behind closed doors. The promotion can you know do all that. You could have the commission involved and you can you can figure all that out, right? Uh, you'd have to dump the belts and both sides would. And um, or you can even I've seen things where it's like, listen, we're going to come in heavy, but, uh, you know, you're welcome to come in on weights and fight for the belts. But here's what's up. You can negotiate money. You know, we'll pay you a little extra money, things like that. But it seems like uh, Kantika was not told at all about this. That's and, and again, if, if I'm missing something, guys, please correct me, because I was kind of not paying that much attention because, again, I was traveling. I was with family. So. Um, in this situation, it seemed like they were basically trying to use this as an advantage, right? Knowing they weren't going to come in on white. Getting close, quote-unquote, uh, I think it was 131.6 to be uh, exact. 
But Kante Kao made weight, so you know that your opponent suffered. You know that your opponent went without food that last day, uh, well, didn't have a lot of water, you know, a lot of fluids, and they suffered, and you didn't suffer as much. Then you go to the negotiating table, and this is what they did. And they said, listen, um, if you still want to go forward with the fight, that way your whole team gets paid, everybody makes money, we'll give you some extra cash from our side too. You know, as a, hey, my bad type of thing, we'll give you some extra money. And on the surface, it looks like, oh, cool. You know, they give them extra money. The fight goes forward. Everybody wins. Meanwhile, Conte Cow struggled and suffered to make the weight. Stevenson did not. So Stevenson comes in with a little bit of an advantage. He's not quite as tired, not quite as worn down, right? We've seen that sort of thing happen time and time again in boxing. And it's the whole A-side versus B-side thing. A-side boxers can pull this stuff off. B-side boxers have to play along. Or you can walk away, but if you walk away, uh, it could ruin future opportunities and there, or everything else. So anyway, Conte Kyle goes through with the fight. Um, Stevenson wins. Wide decision. I didn't see that it was very controversial. I thought Stevenson won. Perhaps some of you out there thought that the cards were wider than they should have been. Either way, the right man won. Stevenson won this fight. Um, but he loses the belts. And I think it's worth mentioning two things. Um, Shakur Stevenson does not really have elite level power. That is the one thing missing from his game. And some of it is due to his style. He does punch hard enough to get his opponent's attention, but he lacks that game changing fight changing one punch power, right? He, he doesn't have that never will. Some of it is due to style. He does do a lot of one, maybe two punch comp. There's no combos. It's one punch at a time, maybe two, a hard one, two, you know, something right down the middle to get space or, or a counter punch. It's those sorts of things, right? Or he gets an angle on you and nails you with a body shot. Then he gets another angle on you to get off and pivot out. Things like that. But it's a lot of one at a time. It's very strategic. He places the punches very well. And it's all to keep him on. It's to keep him on balance, to keep you off balance, to keep you resetting while he is set and to keep him in position to stay on that back foot and be defensively responsible and see the punches coming. That's what he does. Because of that style and because of just the, just the way he's built, the way he fights, he doesn't have that game-changing power. So he has nine knockouts and 19 wins, right? And he has fought um, it, lately a lot of you know 10-rounders, 12-rounders, and hasn't had many stoppages. Now, he's had a couple, and he's, he's looked impressive. He really, really has. But I mention all that because he's going to move up and wait. He's talking about, you know, there was a real struggle to make weight here, and he's going to move up to the lightweight division, which has a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, and some veteran talent as well. And that lack of power, at some point, you have to figure against a certain style of opponent will cost him. Is it going to be 135 where it cost him? Is it going to be 140? I could even see him eventually fighting at 147, but for certain, Stevenson's going to fight at 35 and definitely 40. And he has the talent to win belts at those weights. He really, really does. It's all about matchmaking and top rank. They're the best in the business at that. And I'm not just talking about some showcase matchup where you throw him in there with anybody, but you put him in there strategically against a guy that's going to give him rounds, make it challenging, but not be able to uh, exploit the very, very few flaws in Shakur Stevenson's game. 
It's going to be about matchmaking at 135 and 140. Uh, as it stands now, Shakur Stevenson is going to be very, very difficult to beat for anybody out there. Very difficult to beat. But here's something that um, a lot of people are overlooking. I'm about to hit on something here. I've talked about this before on my show a little bit, but uh, it's even more relevant now. Um, some people out there are talking about Shakur Stevenson being on a pound for pound list, right? We need to get him on the pound for pound list. And if you don't put him on there, then, you, then you, you, don't, you don't know boxing. You don't know shit. You're a hater, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing about that. I understand this guy's won world titles at two weights and he's technically unified belts. Can anybody out there tell me how many world title defenses Shakur Stevenson has? Can anybody tell me that? I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with bun. <laughs> one. He has one. One world title defense. So he won a vacant uh, featherweight title, the WBO uh, featherweight title against Joe Gonzalez. That was a vacant belt. So he didn't beat an established title holder, but he had no defenses immediately after they moved up in weight. Okay, no harm, no foul. You, you couldn't make 126 no more. You move up to 130. Cool. At 130, he wins the WBO against Jamel Herring, established title holder. Best one of his career up until that point. Follows it with a title unification with the WBC belt and also the first defense of that WBO belt. That was his one title defense. And that was a win over Oscar Valdez. Those two wins... Very, very good wins for Shakur Stevenson. Those are the, clearly the best wins of his career. I still think the Herring win is the most impressive overall because of what he did to Herring. Nobody had done that to him, at least not in recent years, uh, since he had gotten with Bud Crawford's team and, and top rank and everybody. Um, he had been on a great run. So that he did that, right? He unified those belts and defended that BO belt once. He had just won the WBC belt against Valdez. And this was his first defense of the unified belts. It would have been his second defense of the WBO, his first defense of the WBC. He loses the belts on the scale. So to date, as impressive as Shakur Stevenson's run has been recently, and the fact that he has unified belts and he has won belts in two weight classes, he has only one title defense, one to date. So when you're talking about pound for pound list and things like that, those things have to come into play. Like those, they're factors in the equation. So we have to talk about them. And I haven't heard anybody mention that. Nobody's talked about it. So anyway, I say all that. And then I say this. When you look at all these young lions here in America, right? You got um, Ryan Garcia. You got Javante Davis. You've got, uh, who am I missing here? Devin Haney. You've got uh, Tiafima Lopez. Shakur Stevenson, Chris Colbert. I can keep going. There's, there's these young fighters in and around like 130 to 140, these young American fighters. And there's a lot of debate and, and chatter about who is the most proven, who has the best resume. Well, I think Shakur Stevenson should be pretty much, oh, he's probably at the top of that list. It's between him and Tiafima Lopez, right? You could throw Devin Haney at, at the top right now just because he's the undisputed champion. But when you actually look at who Devin Haney has fought and when he's fought them, in terms of his actual resume, it's not that different than Gervonta Davis or Ryan Garcia, if we're being honest. I think Tiafima Lopez, that win over Vasily Lomachenko was the best win any of these young fighters have. But the best recent run you'd have to go with Shakur Stevenson. You really, really would. The only blemish on it, the only asterisk, is the fact that he missed weight in this first defense of his unified 130-pound uh, championship. So there is that. There's a little bit of stain on it. None of these guys, 
is light years ahead of the pack, you know, all those young fighters I mentioned. But I do think it is, you know, definitely uh, worth noting that Stevenson has absolutely dominated these recent fighters he's fought. Uh, maybe this fight was competitive, you know, and Kansei Kao did have some success. And he didn't, uh, Stevenson didn't look quite as dominant as he had looked against Jamel Herring and Oscar Valdez. That is true. It was a competitive fight. And maybe, um, you know, maybe some of that was due to the fact that Stevenson did suffer trying to make weight. And he, he did have a tough camp. I, I, I don't know. But either way, um, the way he has, you know, had such dominant performances against those other fighters I mentioned, um, I think that goes a long way into, like, measuring his resume against these other young guys. Uh, before I go any further, let's catch up with some Super Chats. We got one here from Sam. What's up, Sam? How you doing, brother? Thank you. He says, anything on the Canelo early weigh-in? They would not let Canelo lose his belts on the scale. Can you imagine Canelo beltless? Canelo beltless, well, especially, dude, he's the first guy to have the undisputed super middleweight championship. And um, first Mexican to do it. You know, uh, is he the first Mexican undisputed champion, I think, in the full four-belt era? I think that's out there, too, that the promotion's using that. So, yeah, dude, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But, no, dude. I, again, this weekend I was traveling with family, um, stayed four nights uh, in, in Hilton Head, five days, four nights in Hilton Head. I haven't talked to hardly anybody. I've texted a few people uh, in the biz over the week, but I haven't talked to anybody related to that weigh-in. Uh, I did briefly chat with Tom Loeffler today. I'll probably get an interview with him at some point this week. I will definitely ask him, brother, I promise you, Sam, when I get uh, Tom, what we'll talk and we'll do a video interview so I can post that up to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be doing, I have several of those already um, saved guys. That I'm going to be releasing soon. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some fighters and uh, people in the boxing biz here on my channel, just to stay busy right now while I figure out what's going on with some of these job opportunities I'm mulling over. But um, I'll, I'll, I promise you I'll ask him and I'll hear what Tom's got to say about it. As you know, Tom will let us know what's up. Uh, we got another super chat from Trent Nonpareo. Thank you, Trent. Appreciate it, bro. He said, I won $168 on Maxi Hughes over Kid Galahad. I actually never bet because it ruins my viewing, but my mom got the bet earlier at plus 195 and I got it late at plus 140. Love. Hey, man, that was a smart bet, Trent. That was a smart bet. Kid Galahad, I, I hate to say this about a fighter, but he just kind of looks done right? At least at the level he once was or where we thought he was going to be. That knockout changed him, dude. It changed him. And I don't know. He, I, he just has the look of a guy that's changed from it. It is never going to quite be at that, uh, at that level. So yeah, that was a smart bet, bro. Very, very smart bet. All right. Back to the review and we're going to talk about uh, last saturday september 24th queensberry promotions that's uh, frank ward put on a card at the manchester arena in manchester england and this was picked up by espn plus great value for one of the best things about the esps esps espn plus app is that they pick up stuff like this and some of these over, uh, overseas cards that they pick up are nothing more than club shows. And look, if you're a boxing degenerate, you enjoy watching that shit too. But this was an example of a really important heavyweight fight that they include on the app here in America. Great value. Great, great value, man. So um, 
in the uh the only thing really to note in the undercard is Amanda Serrano unifying three of the four uh featherweight belts women's featherweight world ch- titles with a unanimous decision win over Sarah Mafold Mafold I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Anyway, so uh, Serrano goes the distance with Mafoud and uh, unifies three of the four featherweight belts. What that means toward a possible rematch with Katie Taylor, I couldn't freaking tell you. Amanda Serrano's career and the way they've kind of managed it, kind of weird to me at times, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but championship fight stays busy here, fights a smaller girl, doesn't take any wear and tear, makes a little cash. I get it. Hopefully the next fight is either late this year because they could squeeze one in December or early next year, a rematch with Katie Taylor. That would be awesome. But let's talk about this main event, man. Heavyweights in action. This was a fun heavyweight matchup. And I, you know, I've been telling you guys, I was excited to watch this one. I thought this one would deliver. Sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get with Joseph Parker. Sometimes he is in these heavyweight slug fests that are really fun. And sometimes it can kind of be a snoozer. But the way these two matched up at the point of their careers that they're at, right? Because Joseph Parker is trending down and uh, Joe Joyce is trending up. So where these guys are meeting, you know, at the time when they're meeting, I thought this would deliver. And it did, man. Joe Joyce improves to 15-0, 14 knockouts with a KO uh, win over Joseph Parker in the 11th round. And he gets uh, an interim belt. I think it's what the WBO. Oh yeah. Cause it's Frank Warren. So WBO he's the, he's the British Bob Arum or is Bob Arum, the, the American Frank Warren. I don't know. You decide, but uh, they both own the WBO. They do. So, so any of their fighters, they're going to fight for WBO titles anyway. So he is now the WBO interim heavyweight title holder. It's kind of disgusting that the WBO would like sanction an interim title fight because Alexander Usyk just fought. I mean, just fought against Anthony Joshua. So why have an interim belt? Interim belts used to exist when the champion was injured, was going to be out for six months for an injury or something like that, or some kind of legal thing or whatever, right? Something going on like that. That's when the interim fights, interim title fights would be sanctioned. Now they're sanctioned literally like a month after the full champion fight, sometimes a week or two after. It's crazy. And I get on the WBA for doing this. I get on the WBC for doing this. The WBO and the IBF, generally speaking, are better about this kind of stuff. But this is an example of there's just no reason for the WBO to do this other than their daddy told them to do it. One of their daddies. (laughs) I think Bob Arum's even higher up the food. He's like the daddy. And um, Frank Warren is like the daddy in chief for the WBO. They do what those guys say. Anyway, let's talk about this fight, man. Let's talk about some Joe Joyce. So um, if you guys saw it, you saw Joseph Parker fight well in spots and land some hard punches. But Joyce did some tricky, neat, little crafty little things to take a little bit of power off of the punches, even though... The dude's not fast. No one's going to mistake him for like Usain Bolt. He's not that fast. But he does little subtle things to take steam off of punches. So you watch him fight, and he gets nailed with a big shot. And Parker landed several of them. There was one, I can't remember which round it was, but Parker, you guys saw this video, I'm sure, if you're on Twitter, you saw this. Uh, Parker's 
back is to the ropes. He's in the corner, lands a hard counter right hand. You could see he was waiting for it. And you could tell, you know, he was cocking the right hand. He wanted to throw this shot. He turned over on it. He sold out. That front shoulder got out there. I mean, he really threw it hard. And uh, it did snap Joyce's head back. And the, the crowd went nuts. The announcers went nuts. It's all over social media. That clip and others. But that particular clip, I slowed it down. I sh- and I actually took a screenshot and tweeted it. Where you see just before the punch lands, Joe Joyce tucks his chin, gets off a little bit to the side, just a little bit, leans a little bit to the side to lean into the shot and gets both of his hands up and his elbows tight, both of his hands up right on both cheeks. And the punch actually lands on his forehead. It's not even on his nose or his eyes. It actually lands on his forehead. His hands, his gloves covered up his chin, his cheeks, and his eyes enough to where this punch landed on the forehead. Now, Because Parker threw it so hard, and Parker is a pretty explosive puncher when he really commits to a shot, it did snap Joyce's head back. But because it landed on the forehead and Parker had his back to the ropes, he was kind of on the back foot, and Joyce was walking him down. He was kind of moving forward. He had that forward momentum. The shot basically glanced off of him, and he threw punches back. I mean, it's almost as if it was just a jab. And he just knocked it off and threw some counter shots. Seeing that is so jarring because people in real time, you're looking at that and you're like, holy shit, that was a massive punch. And it's not like he rolled with it, rocked with it, anything. He just ate it. But he does do little things like that. Like I just said, to catch the shot on the forehead rather than on the chin or even on the the side of the head or the temple, he catches it straight in the middle of the forehead, like right between the eyes. And it is so much easier to take that punch, believe it or not, it's so much easier to take that punch than to take it on the cheek, on the eye, and pretty much anywhere else on the head. Getting hit on the forehead or the top of your head really does not have anywhere near the same effect as taking a shot anywhere else on your head. I don't know the reason why. I really don't. I can't tell you. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I'm just telling you. That's how it works. And Joyce has figured out how to do little things like that that I think the commentators and, and some of the, the experts don't see. And I don't, if he, he doesn't get enough credit for some of his craft. And so um, there are comparisons to George Foreman, which makes sense. He's just this big, hulking guy that comes forward, uh, will take a punch to land a punch. He's he's betting on the fact that his punch is going to be harder than yours or that he's going to have more stamina than you. And people keep talking about Joe Joyce's stamina. Oh, my God, this guy has such a gas tank. He throws so many punches. Yeah, he's got all this juice left You know, in the closing rounds of a fight, in the championship rounds. And those of you who watch my show, listen to my show, you've heard me talk about this before. Being relaxed in the ring is so important especially if you're an active fighter, an offensive fighter. It is perhaps one of the most important things. And I've drawn comparisons of of Joe Joyce to James Toney, not stylistically, but in their relaxed state in the ring. I've been talking about that for years. You guys have my back on this because now suddenly everybody on Twitter is like, oh, I knew Joe Joyce was going to be great. I said it 10 years ago before he was even pro. Everyone's saying that now, right? 2020 hindsight, all that stuff. But you guys, 
loyal TNC listeners, you've heard me say this for a while now. He has a relaxed nature about himself and he throws his punches. They're arm punches, but he, he does just enough torque on it. And he's such a big guy and he throws forward. Uh, he moves forward when he throws, he turns over the wrist. He kind of snaps it. Uh, he shortens up the punches. He doesn't necessarily, it's not the Deontay Wilder one, two, right? It, it, nowhere near that. You're not going to get that kind of a shot, but he, he kind of shortens him up, but he twists his arm. He turns over the shoulder. He does little things at the end of a punch to kind of make it like a whip. And, oh, you may not think a whip will, will hurt as bad as a baseball bat hitting you. But if it's a, a 250 pound, what, six foot seven, I can't, I can't remember exactly how big Joe Joyce is. If it's a man who's that big cracking that whip, it's going to hurt. And if he's doing that over and over and over during the course of a 12 round fight, the accumulative, the accumulative damage takes a toll. And we have seen Joseph Parker hurt. We've seen him put down, particularly late in fights. We've seen him put down, right? He's had some slugfests. And perhaps those fights have had some wear and tear on him. But we have seen nobody, nobody sleep him like that. And Parker has got one of the best chins in the heavyweight division of this era. He really, really does. He's been dropped a few times, but it's only by guys who can punch like a freaking mule. Seriously. And he got right back up from all those knockdowns this time he tried to get up because he's a freaking warrior he tried to get up right no disrespect to joseph parker here he he still fared very well well for himself and fought well in this fight actually better than he has in some recent fights i thought but he um, just didn't have he, he couldn't recover from the shot it was a, a left hook in the 11th round that put him down and that was it the ref called it off and this wasn't like a quote-unquote British stoppage. You hear people use that term and stuff. It wasn't an early stoppage. It wasn't anything like that. It was legit. He was done. He was absolutely done. And had the ref let him continue, one more hard punch could have really, really injured him. So it was a good stoppage. I don't think anyone had any issue with it. Joe Joyce is going to be a problem for every single heavyweight in the world. And I'm including Tyson Fury in that. And I'm including... Oleksandr Usyk in that. And I know Oleksandr Usyk beat him in the World Series of Boxing, and I'm not saying I'd favor Joyce to beat him if they were to fight tomorrow. I'm just saying in a 12-round, those World Series of Boxing fights are not 12 rounds, in a 12-round heavyweight championship fight, three-minute rounds, okay, 12 rounds, that's 36 minutes. you got to deal with this guy. It's a different fight, dude, than Usyk and Joyce in the World Series of Boxing completely different fight. And I understand that Tyson Fury can box and he can do a lot of different things, but he, I don't know if Tyson Fury is going to be stronger in that ring than Joe Joyce. He's a little bit bigger, a little heavier, but I don't know if he's physically stronger. I sure as hell know that we know that Tyson Fury can't hurt Joe Joyce. The question between those two would be, can Joyce connect with enough consistency to win rounds against Tyson Fury? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you know, will those fights happen? We'll see. Technically speaking, technically speaking, Joe Joyce is the mandatory for Alexander Usyk right now for one of the belts Usyk holds. So it remains to be seen how this is all going to shake out in the heavyweight division because Tyson Fury has called it about 632 people 
since his last fight, since his last fight, you know, he's retired 80 times unretired and called out 5,000 fighters. We really don't know who he's going to fight. If I had to, you know, you put a gun to my head and ask me to tell you, I, I would assume it's going to be Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk for undisputed next spring. That's what I see. That's what I hope we get, but you just don't know with Tyson Fury. Uh, we know Usyk will fight anyone, but so, so, where do you rate Joe Joyce right uh, right now? And there's a lot of people saying he's the best heavyweight in the world. He's the second best heavyweight in the world. Okay. What did I say earlier in this show? What have I said a thousand times? Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Now, listen, he looked great in this fight. He took some big shots, but he kept coming forward. He wore down Joseph Parker, knocked him out. Frank Warren is no dummy, and he has done an outstanding job with his matchmaking with Joe Joyce, an expert job with the matchmaking. In a lot of ways, Joseph Parker at this stage of his career was absolutely tailor-made for Joe Joyce and the perfect step-up opponent at the perfect time. This was expertly executed by Frank Warren and company, okay? So where do I rate Joe Joyce? He is clearly a top five heavyweight. And I mean, obviously, the, it's it's Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. Those are the top two guys. Then there's another tier, and that is your Anthony Joshua's. If you want to put Deontay Wilder in that group, fine. If you don't want to, you get no argument from me. But I think you got to say that Joe Joyce is right around there. He, he's right there in that second tier. And I, if you want to put Andy Ruiz in that tier or something, I don't know. But I get you could kind of put him right around there. But that's really where he is. I mean, right now, Joe Joyce is a top five heavyweight. And that's saying something. A guy who's 15 and 0, only 15 fights in, uh, 14 of the guys he has fought did not see the final bell. So 14 out of 15, that's saying something. He's gotten some great rounds. He's learned. And he's kind of perfected his style. Not the fastest guy. Um, just doesn't have those fast twitch muscle fibers. He's not that kind of athlete. He's a different kind of uh, he's a different kind of athlete. There's many different kinds of athletes, and I think, particularly in the American media, um, there's only one style of of athlete that gets called an athlete here in America for some reason, um, and it's usually the fast twitch muscle fibers. For a fighter, it's usually the flashy, slick kind of fighter. But there's so many different styles. There's so many different types of athletes. There's power athletes. There's finesse athletes. There's endurance athletes. There's all different types. And Joe Joyce isn't that fast twitch, you know, uh, one punch knockout power, Deontay Wilder kind of athlete. He's built differently. But I've been telling you guys for a while, he's got something to him. He's going to go as far as his chin can take him. So we'll find out. But this guy's going to win a heavyweight title at some point. I'm I'm convinced now. I'm an absolute believer. I thought it was possible. Now, now I'm like, yep, I'm a believer because Usyk, Fury, Regardless of what happens with them, and I still think we'll probably get undisputed next year, the titles will be broken up. It always happens. Look at what's look at what they've done to Josh Taylor at 140 just because he wanted to do the honorable thing and fight Jack Catterall again. Look what they've done to him. It's they do it to everybody that gets undisputed, right? They're not going to do it to Canelo. <laughs> so let me take it back just a little bit. They won't do that to Canelo Alvarez. There's a reason for that. But everybody else, they will break up the titles. And that's going to happen at heavyweight. And when that does happen, 
would not surprise me at all to see uh, the juggernaut, and it truly is a juggernaut, fight for the WBO. It probably will end up being the vacant WBO heavyweight title. Um, of course, it'll be the WBO because who promotes him? Frank Ward, right? So, yeah, um, that's what I think you're probably going to see in the next couple of years. Until then, man, uh, get them in there against more of these top 10, fringe top 10 guys that have slipped a little bit, that have seen better days, that will give him these kinds of rounds. Um, there's several other guys out there in the division that they could target that may not be as good as Joseph Parker, might be just as good, at, you know, right around that level. Keep him busy. Get him rounds like this. He's 37 years old. So at some point, he's going to want to fight for the world title. That's another thing, though. People keep talking about his age. Listen, guys, the style this guy fights with, he will be fighting well into his mid-40s if he wants to. If his body holds up, he can fight well into his mid-40s. He's a heavyweight, and he doesn't put the wear and tear on his body that other types of athletes do. He's almost like... I don't know how to describe it, man, but I feel like he's not putting the wear and tear on his joints and stuff that, that, okay. Okay. Here's a comparison. You look at Anthony Joshua and you compare him to Joe Joyce on the surface to the eyes. You ask a hundred people, especially here in America, who's the better athlete of these two. They are immediately pointing to Anthony Joshua immediately. You could even take a picture of Deontay Wilder and put a picture of him next to a picture of Joe Joyce. Which guy's the better athlete? Immediately, they're pointing to Deontay Wilder. He's not built like those guys. But if you watch those guys in their most important fights, they wore down down the stretch. Wilder wore down precipitously. I mean, just you saw his energy dip precipitously after the middle rounds in those fights against uh, Tyson Fury. And Anthony Joshua, you saw his uh, stamina decline in the two fights with Usyk and some other fights he's had. Joyce doesn't get tired. Why do? Why are those guys getting tired, but why isn't Joyce? Again, I say it's a different kind of athlete, fights a different kind of way, trains a different kind of way, moves in a different kind of way. It's almost like he's underwater. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't, I'm not saying that to diss the guy. Um, it's, he's, he's, he has a fluidity in the way he punches. It's not rigid. Some of the, when I watch Wilder punch and fight uh, and, and Joshua and these other guys, there's a rigidity to the way they punch. And Joyce is, it's like an elasticity about him. He's like plastic man, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think he's, his body's going to hold up, you know, I, at least for a while. Now taking all those punches to the dome, that will have an effect, but I'm excited to see what this guy is going to do, man. I am officially on the Joe Joyce bandwagon. And by the way, I've had one foot on that bad boy for years. I'm just now getting putting the other foot on after this. I was excited for this fight. I thought the styles would match up very well. It, it to me, it exceeded it. Yeah. Somewhat exceeded expectations even um, because I thought it was going to distance. I really did. I thought Joyce was going to win a decision. I thought Parker would be able to um, put enough heat on him to go the distance. When Joyce dropped him and stopped him, that exceeded my expectations. So, so yeah, man, I'm fully on board that bus. Now, am I going to call him the second best heavyweight in the world? Am I going to call him a future Hall of Famer? No, that's a little too fast. So as I always say, pump the brakes. All right.
That being said, I am on the bandwagon. Super chat from one foot out the door. Thank you so much. He says, Parker's corner forgot the end swell. They kept pinching the brow between rounds to limit the swelling. Yeah, that was one of those, again, where you're just scratching your head, dude. Like, guys, you've been doing this for a while. How do you forget that? How do you forget that? That's like showing up for a threesome and forgetting your dick, okay? It'd be important for that event, right? I know, not a perfect analogy, but you get where I'm going with this. You got to have an end swell when you go to a fight. You got to have it. <clears throat> or else you're not going to have that much success in the fight. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Joyce goes to the body better than any heavyweight, heavy hands. I agree, dude. The only guy that might go to the body with definitely with better speed and fluidity is maybe Andy Ruiz, right? He, he goes to the body pretty well when he wants to. Um, but dude, Sam, you're right. Joyce has every punch. And for such a big guy to get down to the body and be bendy, like he's like Gumby. Do any of you guys remember Gumby? I know you probably do, Sam, but some of these younger dudes are like, what are they talking about? He's Gumby. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's the plastic man. He's like a slinky, the way he moves. And it, it, it works for him. He has perf perfected that style for him. Sam with another one. He said, uh, Joyce hits him with an eight piece before the left hook. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did, man. The left hook was just the icing on the cake. And I think that's why the referee stopped it when he did. Like I said, I thought it was a good stoppage, great stoppage, and nobody seemed to complain. Um, there is an example of, like, you could see Parker wanted to keep fighting. He was trying to get up. But it's like, dude, no, you're done. Save the fighter from himself, right? Great stoppage there. Great, great performance from Joe Joyce. Great performance. And by the way, he seems to be a cool guy, a nice guy, a humble guy, soft-spoken. Um, so I, I think he's good for the division. We got some characters in this division right now, right? And then you kind of have this chill, almost hippie-like you know, um, guy that goes in there and just pummels dudes. It just, I don't know. It, it's, it's a cool contrast, I think. Another one from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. He said, uh, Joyce controls his breathing like Floyd does at heavyweight. You know what? Damn, Sam, that is a great point. You get the applause button. I forgot to bring that point up. Absolutely forgot to bring that point up. You are 100% correct. And that is part of that relaxation he has. He, he's just got that relaxed nature about him. And um, a lot of it is breathing, bro. Yeah, he absolutely conserves his energy with that breathing. All right, we have a billion calls. I am not going to get to all these. However, um, I'm going to jump to the UK first because, um, guys, I, I've missed a few uh, foreign calls, quote unquote, non-domestic calls. And uh, I, I, it was actually my wife reminded me, um, you know, these guys got to pay because when they're waiting in the queue, they're paying long distance. So even if you don't accept the call, they're still paying for it. So I'm going to skip the American calls and get to a couple of these overseas calls, all right? Because these guys are, are paying for it. And then, um, so just, just know in the future, guys, I'm going to do that. And then um, that way, you guys who are paying long distance, um, it, it's covered. But by the way, uh, USA and UK is toll-free. So just call the numbers behind me right there. Let's skip ahead to this UK caller, though, and then we'll get these a couple of American calls. Guys, we're going we're gonna to stop it at like an hour in today because i got to catch up on a ton of work tonight. So let's jump to um, 782 in the UK. You're on the show. What's up? 
Hey, Michael, it's Pat again from the UK. We spoke about a month ago about the upcoming Canelo fight. How you doing? You good? Good. How you doing, brother? Good, good, good. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, just a, a few points if I may. I know I'll keep it shorter this time. I was a, a bit drunk the last time I was on the show. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It was a weekend, man. Hey. <laughs> hey, the, the Joyce Parker fight, I put my hands up because I told everybody I knew. Because funnily enough, how small a world is this? My sister lived in New Zealand and briefly knew Joe Parker before he was before he was anybody, you know, before he'd even made it. Now, I'd always followed his career and at the weekend I said to all my friends, I said, Listen, look, Joyce is not gonna beat Parker. And everyone said, Well, how do you how do you come up with that? I said, Because A, Parker is immensely faster than him. He's got way more experience. And even though he towers over him, he's got probably about 80% as good as chin as Joyce does. Now, when you watch the fight back, at the end of the first round, I thought, no, Parker's, Parker's doing well here. He's going to, I know it was early days, but he's negating that jab and he's getting round it. And then I think it must have been from about round three onwards, Joyce managed to lure him into a dogfight. And I've never seen, okay, Parker was hitting him with the kitchen sink. And it was almost like by round five, Joyce was kind of almost saying, look, you're fighting my fight now. Yeah. You're not going to hit me and make me look slow. And, you know, I'm going to, I'll let you throw your combinations and you'll hurt me tomorrow morning. Yeah. But right now I'm going to, you're going to land your combinations on me and I'll hit you back. Even if I only have to hit you with one or two, I'm 20 pounds heavier than you. I'm a lot bigger than you. Yeah, and I'm way more aggressive than uh, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. You're going to feel every pound of my weight. And come the the, the knockout, uh, I thought it was more, and you'll know this, Michael, right? When he hit him and he dropped him, you saw from his legs, it wasn't so much that he hurt him. It was almost like from his legs, like, you've got nothing left, mate. You've, mm-hmm. you've, you've had a tear up with this guy for 11 rounds. And the way he fell, and tried to get back up. It was like, mate, you've nothing. You've nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. You've hit him with everything. You've hit him with everything, and he's he's put you down. Now, I think I hope I'm wrong in saying this because they're both really good guys, right? Parker will take a month off, like you say, he's going back to New Zealand. Then he's going to come back here, and he'll train with Andy Lee again, and he'll be good to go. He'll rebuild, and he'll have a Dillian White rematch, which I think he'll probably win, but. That's another conversation. I hope for Joe Joyce's sake that if he doesn't immediately get that Usyk match, I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's going to find it hard now to get fights after that because a lot of these guys in the top five, top ten, they weren't keen to fight Joyce before the Parker fight. Absolutely. And then Parker's hitting with everything. Parker's hitting with everything. Parker is a solid guy himself. He's, he's a very nice guy. He's got that New Zealand cool and calm chill about him. You right. know, he doesn't talk a whole lot, right? You know, that's their type, the, the Maori life that he has. But he's short on, on Saturday night. He can get stuck in, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of these top guys after watching that might say, I'm not interested in Joe Joyce using me as a stay busy fight. Do you know? Yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong. For his now, sake, I, I because think, again, he's a really nice guy. But you're right, though, Michael. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. I, I think that uh, who, who who the hell would want to fight this guy right now? 
Who the hell would want to fight him? Well, who have you got? I mean, what, Frank Sanchez? <laughs> Maybe. Not happening. Andy Ruiz, now that's a good fight. Andy I'd... Ruiz is a good fight, but yeah. I can't see it happening. No, Andy can't Ruiz is going to fight Wilder you know I mean? for the WBC title next next spring, probably. Um, I'll be watching that. Yeah. I would love to see Wilder <laughs> I, I and think... Joyce. That would be so much fun. Now, that would be great. Yeah. If they did that, given the popularity now, if they stacked that undercard and they did that in spring, because I'm in the north of Britain, right? I'm, I'm up in Glasgow. I'm an Englishman. If they put that in the springtime in Wembley Stadium with a packed undercard mm. and you put maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you put some top-class heavyweights and a few American lads on the undercard, you could possibly put that in Wembley Stadium. Yeah, you I think so. Could. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. We'll have to wait and see, man. I'll, we'll have to wait and see, Michael. I'll get. I'll let you get your other callers, man. I'll bail you okay. next week on the show, man. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. God bless. Take care. All right. You too. See you soon. Bye. All right. All right. And you know, I, I just thought of something. Um, uh, Pat, it just have, he, he reminded me of Joe Joyce's win over Daniel Dubois. Um, look. A lot of people got on Daniel Dubois' ass after that, right? And, and they were really, really critical of him and said that he quit. He looked for a way out. But seeing what Joe Joyce has done since, I, I, I think that people were maybe a little too harsh on Daniel Dubois, who I still think has some potential and is going to uh, come back from this, uh, from that. He already has a couple of W's, a couple of wins since. And uh, maybe people were too quick to rush to judgment to just shit all over Dubois and say he's nothing. Maybe he can come back and still be a, a, a top heavyweight. Uh, that remains to be seen because I don't know who gets in the ring with uh, Joe Joyce right now and doesn't get battered outside of Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk, honestly. Because I, I, I for real think Anthony Joshua would have major problems with him. I think Joshua would have some success early on for sure. Okay. Joshua is a level above Joseph Parker, especially this Joseph Parker um, who has seen better days and even Wilder for all you could say about Wilder and all his flaws. And I do think Joyce would absolutely pummel him. Wilder would get a couple right hands in there early on and make it interesting. So outside of those guys though, I just think that, uh, Joyce is probably going to beat every one of them right now. The Andy Ruiz types, the Luis Ortiz, those guys, he's going to beat them. And so Daniel Dubois losing to him at, what, 21 years old? I think maybe people should slow down the, on the Dubois slander because um, he could bounce back from that. Um, Hamed, I got I to address this, uh, this comment here. Uh, Hamed in the chat says, why is that crackhead junkie Thunderdome boxing mad at you? Dude, I don't know why that guy is such a hard on for me, but it, there's him and there's a couple guys that go on his little channel and they talk about me all the time, or they've talked to, about me several times for years. And so like, that's the thing guys, you got to understand. I get it from like the, the wacko lefties of the boxing universe. And I get it from the wacko righties like Thunderdome and those guys, those guys have called me a cuck. Uh, they've called me prejudice against Eastern European fighters. They, uh, hated when I took Deontay Wilder's side uh, when during the whole uh, performance enhancing drugs thing with um, Alexander Povetkin and they got on me then about that and they defended Povetkin a lot during that whole situation um, 
it just things like that. And look, they'll, they'll take this segment right now and they'll they'll make a video about it. They've done that a bunch of times. They, they've recorded my stuff. They they take my video. They're not the only ones who do it. And they make these videos about me. And a lot of times they, they will purposely represent things out of context and all that. They always, always do that kind of stuff, man. He's got... So like, look, man, I, I, I can't, both, both extremes go after me, which makes me know that I'm, I'm doing my, I'm doing my job and I'm keeping it down the middle. <clears throat> All right. We're going to go to France real quick. And then it's probably gonna be the last call of the show guys. I'm sorry, but we, I got to get going here. All right. Uh, France, you are on the show. What's up? Hey, hey Mike. That's me. Oh, thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks, what's up, Mike. man? How you doing? Another Frenchman in the closet, maybe. How you doing? It's Johnny. How you doing, Johnny? Doing <laughs> so, well, man. I'm doing cool. Doing cool. Hope you're all right, too. Doing well, man. Doing very well, of course. And we had a great fight this weekend. We had a great fight this weekend. And uh, Joyce was really impressive. So... I had a little chat with uh, Jake Elter on Twitter before. He said, uh, Joyce Judy, I told him that it could be a knockout. And um, it was close, actually. And, man, what uh, Joe Joyce has to offer, nobody offers that uh, on the heavyweight scene. This engine is um, the most impressive. Nobody talks so much about the engine, but the engine is uh, unheard of. I've never seen uh, an heavyweight that can be, you know, upgrading the rhythm with each round. He wasn't doing that, uh, you know, he wasn't throwing that much in the first round, but uh, progressively and increasingly, the, the punches came harder and harder. It was impressive, really. Yeah, he, um, it, you know, we've seen relaxed heavyweights with good motors before, but none that big. He's a big, big man. And he's able to uh, keep very calm and composed, throws a lot of punches. And I just think it's because he's got that uh, fluidity about him. He's not trying too hard to be explosive with every punch. He just touches you. He just touches you. That's kind of how George Foreman fought in, in a certain way. George would slap you with a bunch of jabs and boom, drop a right hand on you. Uh, there's a little bit of George Foreman in him. Don't you think? Not 100%, but a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's a freak of nature. Yeah, that too. Four months, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but what what he told it, it was interesting because it's straight, it's straightforward. He, he tells a lot of things. You have to listen to him. He's not uh, so much um, a easy speaker, but he, he tells a lot of things. And he, he told actually that he he made um, um, a medical examination and that he has five or six times the average point density. You know? I heard so that too. Yeah. Is, uh, five times. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to see if I could speak with him and ask him about that because yeah, apparently he has six times the natural bone density that most humans have. And if that's true, uh, it's going to be difficult to knock him out because it's not, Two times, it's not three times, but six times. That that's difficult to stop. And it, and the guy is two seven two hundred seventy pounds. It's like a, it's a unit, and he can he can do a backflip. You know, <laughs> crazy. He's, he's, crazy. He can do backflip in a cup everywhere. So he he's got so, such great so gifts of nature, and it's not really that old because it's thirty seven, but he didn't fight that much. Yes, and, uh, didn't seem to suffer that much. Didn't seem to be hurt. So, if 
he's angry. And a guy, the guy has got a master degree of art. You know, he paints. <laughs> so a guy, he crushes your head, and then he sends you the painting, you know. So he paints. So he's quite educated as well. So I think he's a very dangerous player because uh, he's composed. He's, he's not going to do crazy thing, you know, going out, sniffing uh, coke and all. Right, I right, right. It's going to be that to stay, that to be around, and because uh, nobody wants to fight him actually. Tyson Fury, uh, you know, just after the fight, he said, "No, he would have never done that to me." But uh, I think Tyson Fury is like a kind of like he doesn't want to fight music, doesn't want to fight uh, <laughs> to fight uh, Joyce. So who is going to fight next? Not Joshua either. So Tyson Fury, I think he is the number one spot is. Um, is uh, I think it's not going to be number one for for long. I completely agree. Completely agree. And Mike, just a few words. What might be uh, the fight for undisputed could be uh, you know music. I can Joyce, and um, it would be fascinating because uh, <laughs> the opposition of sides would mm. be fascinating. And I really like to see that uh, of a twelve round that's in. Uh, the Amazon fight quite a few times already, and they're amazing. Everybody gets to watch them because we, we, we might have them in the pro, pro game. Thanks so much, uh, Mike, for taking my call. Thank you so much, Greetings, brother. greetings from France. Greetings from yourself. You know, I'm living close to the Italian border, so. Oh, yeah? Like France, but it's not Paris. Yeah, yeah. I'm living in a French area, not, uh, not in Paris. Beautiful, beautiful so over we, there. We're very close to Italy. You're a lucky man. I go very often. Thanks, Matt. Hope to see you sometime. Come, uh, come around in Europe. Absolutely. Around. Absolutely. See you, Mike. Thanks. Thank Thanks you. Have a good Mike. night, brother. Bye. All right. We got uh, another super chat from um, from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. And guys, I'm going to have to drop here in a minute. But Sam says, uh, Joyce doesn't get excited in the moment. He just stays the course and his heavy hands will take their toll on any guy that can't stop him. That's the whole thing, man. That's why, um, that's why I say he's going to go as far as his chin will take him. And uh, if his chin holds up, man, it seems like his mentality and everything is, is there. Um, just every, you know, there are a lot of great personalities in the heavyweight division right now. And there's some interesting talent everyone's flawed in a way or, or like lacking something in a way, but there are very few of these heavyweights that have a iron will mentality, right? Uh, Deontay Wilder has character flaws. Anthony Joshua's character flaws. Tyson Fury has character flaws. All of them. The only one that so far we haven't seen any crack in is Alexander Usyk. He's the only guy that you just feel the moment's never going to get to him, right? And maybe Joe Joyce is another guy like that where the moment's just never going to get to him. He's never going to crack. He's never going to fold. Now, again, he's doing this against guys like Joseph Parker. It's a different thing to do it against Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, somebody like that. But uh, maybe he's another guy that's kind of cut from the same cloth as Alexander Usyk, where there's this that iron will that you can't break. That's tough, man, because if he has that combined with those physical tools he has, holy shit, he's a problem. He's a real problem. All right, guys, <clears throat> we out of here. By the way, again, I will talk to Tom Loeffler probably at some point this week. 
I see some of you on the chat saying Canelo Triple G was fixed. And I guess that's what they're mad about over on those other channels. That's crazy. Uh, I'll ask Tom his thoughts on that, okay? We'll get it right from, directly from the man himself. All right, guys. Have a good week. And um, this Friday we'll do a show, all right? So Friday wrap-up, we'll be back, even though we don't have nothing to talk about. Maybe we'll just get out here and drink beer or something. All right, peace. Have a good week. See you at the fights.